Friends, I hope you get a chance to enjoy this wonderful interview with my dear friend, Betty Lindbergh. It's an interview where she talks about the difference between healthy and unhealthy relationships. We know that relationships go through a normal up and down, a normal waxing and waning as it were, but we also know relationships are unhealthy at times. And how is it that we learn to know the difference and what do we do when we find ourselves in an unhealthy relationship? We hope you enjoy this conversation with Betty Lindbergh. I found it very inspiring. Enjoy. I'm so excited to be joined today by my dear friend, Betty. And, and we're going to be talking about a really critical topic, which is, which is when love might not be enough. And, and the idea, the genesis behind this is that as a pastor, it's really important to, to keep on focusing on love and focusing on love and focusing on things working. And we all have to remember that sometimes they don't. And, and that so any message around love needs to be leavened, I guess, would be the right way to say that. As, as Jesus said, and I love this phrase, love this phrase, be gentle as a dove and wise as a serpent, which is <laughs> this beautiful admixture of like, you want to be really gentle. And at the same time, we have to be realistic about life and, and understanding. And, and, and faith is really about bringing those two things together. So that's my hope as we just get to share some time with Betty here today. She's got some wonderful perspectives, some wonderful answers, and simply has great energy. And, uh, you know, that's my hope is that we just have this conversation. You take with it what fits, leave the rest behind. And with that, I'll just let you say hi, Betty, to those of us joining us today. Hi, everyone. Hi, NCL family and friends. Yeah. Happy to be here. Well, great to have you here, Betty. So, Betty, with as much as you feel comfortable, could you share a little bit of your story with us? Yeah. So, um, I my parents were divorced um, probably as long as I can remember from the age of three, um, and kind of uh, you know lived in a very challenging environment between those two parents, um, them having their own abuse and different things growing up in, in their histories that kind of bled on to um, me and my siblings in different ways. Um, and, and I think it's important, Chuck, you know, as we're talking about this to understand what a healthy relationship looks like versus an unhealthy relationship, um, because growing up, I certainly didn't know what a healthy one looked like. And although for people like me, it can be really easy to get into that trap of, you know, going into unhealthy relationship one after another, because you don't know what else it looks like. Um, there are other people that find themselves there that did have, you know, that healthy environment growing up, um, but maybe more empathetic and lead with their heart or teenagers that, you know, just haven't even fully developed to know what a healthy relationship looks like outside of the home. And then of course you have the vulnerable elderly people, um, you know, so, so it's not just people that have been maybe that grew up in those healthy households or environments that find themselves in these unhealthy situations. I think we can all find ourselves there from time to time, depending on what's going on you know, in our homes and our environments and things like that. So I think just kind of um, separating what's a healthy relationship versus an unhealthy relationship. So, you know, if you don't mind. So I think by definition, right, a healthy relationship is honesty, trust, respect, open communication, um, compromise. And one thing that I think we all forget, in, in especially in a marital situation or partnership, is compatibility. If you're not aligned um, with your goals with each other, you know, eventually that's going to lead to issues in that relationship, right? So you may want to, bad example maybe, but 
go out and party every weekend. And I'd rather sit home and garden and do maybe some more homelier things, or you might want to go out and be more of a servant in the community. And I have no interest in that, right? Like I'm the complete opposite. How you bring those two worlds together um, can be really challenging if you're not on the same page. So having that healthy relationship, I think compatibility, people forget about that. Um, you know, and I think to remember that a healthy relationship is love and kind. It should not hurt. And we're always going to have those challenging times in our relationships, all relationships, where we don't see eye to eye. And maybe there's, you know, things get heated and things are said and those are one-off situations. And you both walk away feeling really crappy about what just happened and really apologetic for what was just said. And those times are going to happen, generally speaking. Um, some people are just much better at that than others. I know I can have a hot head from some, and if I get hurt and angry, I can tend to say things sometimes I don't mean. There's a difference between that and being in a unhealthy relationship. And unhealthy is the complete opposite of everything I just said. It leaves you feeling insecure, overwhelmed, and anxious most of the time. So most of the time you're living in this uncertainty. And if emotional and physical abuse are involved, it's compounded by other feelings such as fear, shame, guilt, isolation, hopelessness, helplessness. Um, and in my journey, I found myself there um, at a very gentle age with a child, by the way, um, a, a young boy in my early 20s where, um, you know, I had my son very young with a teenage sweetheart that I thought I was going to marry and, you know, we were going to go off and live happily ever after, after living in this dysfunctional life that I had lived uh, growing up. Um, only for him to leave and go down a different path. And I found myself with this child and just moving all around and not really having much stability in my life. And now I have this other person to take care of, had no business having a child at the age of 18 years old, um, not being able to take care of myself. But a childhood friend came along that I knew for a very long time and, you know, kind of love bombed me. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and then very quickly, that dynamic started to change to controlling, possessiveness, um, fear, the hitting started, the emotional breakdown. Um, and before long, I found myself in a really bad web. And I always thought to myself, thank God my son didn't physically see it because he was always good to my son, quote unquote, but he saw the aftermath. And it affected him later in life. And I think that's another big piece that people don't understand. You may think your kids are not witness to this or they're not feeling this. Um, I can guarantee you they are. And it will affect them as they as they get older. Yeah. Um, but so beautifully said. And how would you how would you you know what? Um, like for some people, right? We we I, I think we all all people wrestle, and you you sort of are setting us up for this. All people wrestle with control issues, you know. Yes. Uh, Anne Lamont famously said, "Nothing ever left my hands without claw marks on it." <laughs> that, that's really true, right? <laughs> You're talking about something really different, right? It's a different yes form of control, right? Here's these things we all wrestle with. How would you tell someone? Like I could see somebody listening to this going, "Like yeah, you know what I." kind of it's not passing the smell test like this feels like an overstepping with control what kind of language would you use would you coach someone through who might be wrestling with what 
good control, bad control might look like? Yeah, I think good control is, you know, um, maybe they're controlling where you go to dinner. Uh, you know, you're you're like, it's uh, I'm used to doing something one way. And, you know, it's hard for me to do it a different way. When you are trying to take control of another person mm-hmm. and dictating what they say, what they do, who they surround themselves with, who can be in their lives, um, isolating them from family and friends by threatening them, um, even right to hurt them. If, if you tell them what's going on, um, controlling you where you go, um, you know, you can go to the supermarket and you better be back in 10 minutes. Um, it's controlling your every action. Yeah. The control of another person's every action, every decision, every thought, um, there's, there's that, that, you know, good versus bad control, I'll say. It's one thing to have, I always say I have some OCD issues, right? I like my house cleaned a certain way. I like things put away a certain way. And I might get frustrated when, you know, my kids or my husband don't, you know, follow my my organization or cleanliness or whatever. That's very different than um, someone coming home and calling you names or smacking you or, doing something else because you went somewhere that they did not say you could go that day. You didn't have permission. Boy, Betty, that is, that is really a beautiful differentiator. And so what I hear you saying is, look, when it's, when it's controlling, literally controlling the person, when you're trying to control the person, that's where the line gets, gets flipped over. And that's really well said. And it, it's interesting, you know, hearing what you talked about too, and you use the, the phrase love bombing. And, and it's interesting how that kind of can fit in with control too. Yeah. And for those people who don't know, I've never, may have never heard that phrase before. It's a, it's a great phrase. It's a, it's an important concept. And how does, how does love bombing, first off, what is it? And then how can it kind of feed into this, this someone wanting to control another person. Yeah. So again, I think, especially depending on your vulnerable state, um, or just, you know, the person that you are love, love bombing can be over the top attention. Um, you know, saying, I love you way too soon, wanting a commitment way too soon, showering you with gifts, right. Um, just making you feel like you're you're the most amazing person and this person's just catering to your every whim and suddenly that turns to jealousy and that turns to clinginess and then that turns to that's where the the control stuff starts right needs they need constant validation where are you going who are you going with what time are you going to be home I really don't um, like when you hang out with that person. I really don't want you to go there tonight. Um, it's almost like they pulled you in and now those other, be- it's a manipulation, right? So a lot of narcissistic traits come into play with abuse. Um, and now they've reeled you in and they have the commitment and maybe you've moved in together, right? Um, so now the other things start. Wow, Betty, it's that's that's powerfully said. And that whole, it, it always interests me. Like it's, it's a paradox of sorts, but how these people with control issues can be very clingy, like just interesting paradox there that, that, that I'm glad you brought up. And, and what, what kind of, a, what was your process of awakening to this? I mean, as you said, 
Hey, one of the problems is for a lot of us, we can, we can, a lot of people, I should say, a lot of people, they, they get so used to these behaviors. They don't realize necessarily they might, but they might not realize yeah. how crazy this is. Like, What was your journey to waking up? Oh gosh. Um, I don't know if it was a waking up or maybe God shaking me, but, um, <laughs> um, but a lot of the, a lot of the stuff I was used to, I was very insecure. I was used to people calling me names and putting me down. And so that part, you know, I kind of hate to say it, but you know, you just kind of get used to what you're used to. Um, but I think I'm losing my what, how kind of how when 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 you when it wakes you up I, you know it wasn't even after embarrassingly I can't even say it was after my first black guy I can't say it was after my second black guy I can't say it was after reconstructive surgery on my face um I think you know it's it's a process that each one of us goes through differently um it's known in um domestic violence that women or men may leave up may may leave and come back upwards to 10 times before they finally before they finally say enough um and for me uh i think you know it was the last time that something had happened and the police were called and um this person and actually ended up you know helping me <laughs> make my decision um by doing some other things so i i think god intervened to be honest chuck i think god just said I'm going to step in here. Um, but the, I think the other awakening part is when you're in it, I'm a fix it person. I want to help everybody and fix it. And this person was very abused by his parents, well, his father specifically growing up physically and emotionally. Um, and every time there was an incident, it was crying and I'm so sorry. And, you know, I, I don't mean to hurt you. Um, and, you know, an empathetic person like me is like, oh my gosh, I understand. And, you know, I want to help you through this. Um, but that was all part of the manipulation. Wow. That's, that's powerful. And I, you know, that idea of that, maybe we, it's not about a wake up. It's about a shake up. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. that's a really, that's a really significant point. And, uh, you know, and for somebody too, one of the things I, I believe firmly, and it'd be great to get your perspective on this is, is another racket not to get into is, is a lot of the time it, we just have to be patient with the process, right? It, in other words, you may be someone who's left a relationship and then come back, then realized how bad and wrong it is and left permanently, or that may take you two or three tries. Mm -hmm. And the idea that it takes what it takes and not to feel, I don't know if guilty is the right word. I, I just, I just would want people to hear that the journey is the journey. And, and, yeah. and does that, does that make sense what I'm saying? No, no, it does. Because I've been doing first response work in domestic violence for four, over 14 years. And it's so easy to get frustrated. Why don't you just leave is what we hear all the time. And that's actually the most dangerous thing you can tell somebody in a domestic violence situation, um, because that's when things escalate. When the perpetrator knows that that person's about to leave, that's when they can get really dangerous um, and end up killing. And we, we see it all the time on the news, um, you know, and end up killing the person. So we always try to create a safe exit plan when, when they're ready to leave. They're already feeling guilt, shame. You know, it's so embarrassing to go through something like that. And then, you know, even today, gosh, I'm going back, I'm aging myself here, but like 30 years and 
this is probably the second time that I've done an interview talking about myself in any way. And it's still hard, mm-hmm. you know, so, and, and I'm in a completely different world now and I would never allow myself. And I, that's the slippery slope. So I would never allow myself, but I know the signs. Um, and for someone to say, I would never see myself in that situation. I can tell you firsthand, you know, for me, I came from a challenging environment, but I have worked with people of all ages, backgrounds, races, religions. It does not discriminate. Um, I have worked with some of the most intelligent women or men on the other end of that line that call me and say, I don't know how I got myself into this situation. I had a good home life. You know, I had loving parents. My parents loved us. They loved each other. We had a wonderful home. And how am I here? Or their spouse or partner suddenly changed. So I had one person who was married for 30 years and her husband started hitting her out of nowhere. Um, Why? Right? Like what caused that? And I think life causes that in those cases, Um, the stress of life, whether it be financial, um, maybe there was an addiction involved, who knows, but something is driving that behavior to where suddenly somebody that's been married to somebody 25, 30 years, they have children together, uh, an entire lifetime together. It's not so easy to just walk away when maybe you were the homemaker for the last 25, 30 years. Yeah, that's really well said, you know, and as you were, phrasing that I was thinking of Brene Brown's phrase shame gremlins yes and that just totally gets in our head about shame gremlins and that's why we don't reach out and that's why these these things end up sort of thriving in the dark and it is you know to go preacher on you here for a second it's interesting how how evil always thrives in the dark like that really is where where evil sort of thrives on this whole idea of secrecy and and when you were talking about healthy relationships. I love that the first thing you said was honesty. I, I find it really powerful that, that, that choosing love is choosing honesty. Yeah. The two, the two, the two absolutely, absolutely go together. So a couple of questions I'd love to ask you. So a number of different kinds of people in different situations will be watching this and with, with particular interest, one will be someone who's, who knows someone who they just suspect they're just it just it just doesn't seem like that relationship is right. Or I saw the way either he, him or her, the, the way they belittled their partner at that dinner party we were at last week. It was just over the top. Yeah. Um, what would you say to someone like that who's in this position of, of a detached observer who just has a sense of that's not that's not passing the smell test. I mean, I certainly hope that all of us know, and I, I imagine all of us do, you see somebody hit somebody, that's an easy one, right? Yeah. But then there's these subtle ones where, you know, that just doesn't sound right. That yeah. doesn't fall right. What would you say to that person? So I would say to reach out to someone like myself, a domestic violence organization or an advocate to have that conversation because we can share with that person the tools and the resources that are available when the person's ready, because it has to be when they are ready. Um, You can't force anybody to do anything, but then, you know, maybe they can kind of, we can talk about a subtle strategy on approaching that person to just share information and drop subtle hints um, to get them to start opening up. And if they do, then they, I have friends 
directing people to me all the time. I actually am taking more personal calls now than anything, uh, stepping away from the organization, unfortunately, but it's friends of friends, it's nieces of friends. Like there's somebody that knows somebody in, in every circle that's been affected by, you know, um, domestic violence. That's, that's very well said. And, and that that idea of just just putting it out there, right? Just putting yeah. it out there and just saying, and I, I, I think it's real important to reinforce your point when they're ready. Yeah. Because it can't, it can never be, I mean, this is frustrating as all get out. It can never be our agenda. No. It really has to be, be their agenda. And if you try to push your agenda, you'll scare them away. Again, yeah. it has to be, it's frustrating, right? But you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know how they feel. Like you just don't know. Right. So they always say, be kind because you don't know what someone else is going through and it's not your journey. It's theirs. So just be there when they're ready, because that's really what they need. Yeah. That's one of the best quotes of, of all time. Be kind because we're all fighting a great battle. I just find yeah. that so true. Now, now a couple other questions for you. So, so here's this person who just has this sense of something's not passing the smell test. Now, what about for someone who's in it and it's not passing the smell test? Like it's just, it, it just, uh, it may have escalated to the point of physical abuse. It may, uh, be at that level just of a lot of verbal abuse. Yeah. What would what would you say to that person? Similar to what I would say to the other people, reach out to someone like myself. We have a woman's place, a local organization here in Bucks County. Um, they're the only uh woman's organization in Bucks County. Plus, there we have them, they're all over the Delaware Valley. There's one in Philadelphia, there's one in Norristown. Um, just get some information. You don't have to be ready to make any any rash decisions or um, we certainly don't want you to do that, right? Because we want to make sure that you have the tools and the information to make smart decisions. Um, so reach out and when you can, when it's safe to do that, to just kind of share some as much as you want to share and collect some information. That's great. And a, and a, and a final question for you is if you could go back to your 18-year-old self, you know, you could transport yourself back what would you tell yourself when you look at life from where you are right now? What would you tell your 18 year old self? So I have a young stepdaughter, as you know, Chuck, um, who is only 21. And I share all of this with her. Um, you know, what does what does a loving relationship look like versus a loving relationship? And unlike my situation with my parents, I would have hugged her and told her how much she's loved and how beautiful she is. And I never would have left her side. I would have let her know that, you know, there's help and we're all here when you're ready and just been really supportive as frustrating as it may, may be for me. Um, it would kill me to see some, my, my stepdaughter go through what I went through. Um, but I, I actually, I would tell her and I tell her all the time, don't have a baby at 18 either. Um, <laughs> just get, get through some life first to get, uh, you know, your brain. We learn now that our brains don't fully develop until 25 if we're women. So we don't. And men, and men, and men, I think, I think men, men, yeah, men, it's like much older, way, way, way older. No, I'm kidding. To all you men. I'm kidding. Um, no, I think it's statistically true. It's like much later than women. Yeah. I mean, we all, we all develop different. Um, we all see the world differently. You know, some of us are more empathetic than others. Some of us are just going to continue to put ourselves in those difficult situations because we just don't know any better and we're wearing our heart on our sleeve. Um, I would say don't stop loving them. Don't leave them ever. Um, and, you know, just be there when they're ready. 
Yeah, that's beautifully said. And, and that I, I love that idea of the ministry of presence. That's that's really what we can do for 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 anyone. It's just that that simple presence. I I'm always leery about, you know, I, I dislike a list of these are the five perfect things to say. I, I feel like, well, good luck with that. You know, it's 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 sometimes you'll we'll say the perfect thing, sometimes we won't. And what people most remember is that we showed up. Absolutely. Even when I take those calls, everything I learned went goes out the window. Right, right, I mean, if it's right. a if it's a dire situation, we're not supposed to share our story, but we need to be relatable, right? So everything you learn goes out the window. God kicks in, your gut kicks in, and you're just ready to do whatever you have to do to help this person. Just just doing your thing. Yeah. Well, I, I want to say before giving Betty a last word here, we are going to put a slide up that has a lot of different contact information that you're welcome to follow through on. You're always welcome to get in touch with me, to get in touch with Betty in any way, way we can help. We are certainly more than glad to. And, and with that, just, just simple gratitude over you being willing to sit down and, and have this little conversation with me. And is there a closing thought you'd like to leave out there with folks? Yeah, I think, you know, as, as I've gone through my own journey, um, you know, relationships are challenging and it even healthy, the healthiest relationships are challenging. Um, I think with those that are a little bit more challenging, whether it be parents, you know, just family, it's important to have boundaries and protect yourself, um, what you will accept and what you will not accept. There are so many resources out on the web. You can download a checklist, right? Of uh, it'll say healthy and unhealthy. And if you're checking more on the unhealthy side than the healthy side, um, I think you can take that as a guide. Um, you know, and and so boundaries for sure with most of those types of relationships. But if you find yourself in some of the situations that we were talking about that look like domestic violence, again, there are a lot of resources out on the web for that as well. But I would, I would, I would urge someone to reach out and at least just have a conversation, collect some information. Because that's not your end all be all. And the sun does shine again. And that is not, does not have to be your final resting place. No. And then that idea of, of the growth that can happen in life, like life Absolutely. just, it was, uh, it was interesting. It was talking with a, with a, with someone and they were talking about how, you know, life is, we tend to think of the chapters, the whole book. It's not. Yeah. We, we have chapters and, and some chapters, frankly, are really hard, but that doesn't mean it's the whole book. Yeah. No. I'm a novel. I am an absolute novel. And if <laughs> I, and I should have been a statistic, quite frankly, and I'm not, I am, I'm, I'm successful. I'm happy. I'm thriving. And yes, there are challenges still that will come through and I manage them the best I can being kind to myself along the way. So, most times, not all the time. Um, but you, it, it, you're right, Chuck. It, you're not. It's only one moment in time. Only one moment. Betty, can't thank you enough. You're welcome. Thank you for that having me. Terrific. And, and, and again, folks, we're going to leave our, we're going to leave information up on our last screen here and anything we can do to give you a hand, please let us know. And just thank you, Betty. You're welcome. Here to help. Thank you, Chuck. Take care. Okay.